Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you hide me today, Lord, behind the cross, that uh, we hear your voice and your message, Lord, that you picked out specifically for each one of us. Lord, if uh, somebody here doesn't know you, should today be the day, Lord? And for those who do know you, Lord, should uh, today's message just encourage us a little bit, remind us a little bit, Lord, of your tapestry, of your plan, that we can always see your plan, Lord, but that you're in control. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I've titled today's message, Fear No Evil. Take courage. You know, Lord does things so mysteriously in so many ways that we just don't get it. A couple of weeks ago, I was kind of asking for a reprieve because I wasn't quite ready. And uh, he gave me a reprieve a couple of weeks. And uh, it happened ahead of 9-11, which is a very important date. Besides my little girl's birthday, it's a day that we all remember, like Dean said. And there's so much to be afraid in the world if you don't know God. <clears throat> Not just 9-11, but so much more. Let me just try to put things in perspective a little bit. Sometimes I do better with the visuals. We imagine for a second there that this group goes out to eternity. It's an infinite rope. You can't see it all. Use your sanctified imagination. Somebody much better than me has a sample of this online. If you ever heard of Francis Chan, I suggest you see him. He's amazing. But I want to just plagiarize a couple minutes of his robe just to put things in perspective today before I speak. You know, if this represents infinity, which I can spend in an hour just talking about infinity. Infinity to me is such a mathematical and godly uh, science uh, that, that God uses uh, if you do not believe in God and you believe in infinity, I, I want to talk to you. <laughs> but what's crazy about infinity is that in the big picture, it's like a grain of sand. It's like a tiny little piece of an infinite rope. So if you imagine this being your life, if we know Christ, we know one thing. All your trials, all your tribulations, all your fears, all your growth is right here. In God's in the tapestry. We can't always see it, but it's right here. Now, if you don't know God, I'll give you a different message later about what happens here. But suffice it to say that your decisions in this little red zone, call it a red zone, now we're in football, determines the rest of eternity. So it's really important what we do in the red zone. You know, it is 9-11, and there's so many different stories of courage from 9-11. Every one of them, they set aside fear. There's no way that you can read any of these stories of 9-11 and think to yourself, wow, they were afraid. No. And I know we all have our own trials, our own fears, our own issues. And there's a lot of stories in the Bible of fear and courage. I mean, we think of Daniel's den. We, we, we think of David and Goliath. Before I read today's text, 
which is from Matthew 14, 25 to 33. I want to just share a couple of the 9-11, very short stories of some of the courage that people overcame, the fear to be courageous. A 24-year-old equities trader helped at least a dozen people get out. And then he went back with firefighters to save more. An equities trader. I'll never see equities trader again the same way again. <sighs> my need my glasses. A group of strangers teamed up to take back United Flight 93. We, we all, maybe you've seen the movie. If you haven't, I suggest you do. It prevented untold catastrophes. Two former U.S. Marines put their uniforms back on and searched through the rubble that could have collapsed at any moment. Were they afraid? I'm sure they had their, their fears, but to put them aside, they found two survivors. Those two survivors are very thankful. We all know about the two flight attendants on American Airlines Flight 11 who calmly relayed information to, about the hijackers who helped the FBI figure out that it was Al-Qaeda. Rick Rescorla, I never heard of him. Rick Rescorla, he was responsible for saving more than 2,700 lives as he sang songs to keep people calm while being evacuated. Can you imagine that? If we had a fire right now and we all evacuated, I'm not sure I'd be sitting the piano singing. But he risked his life just to help calm the hearts of those who are being evacuated. We also know after the second tower was hit that there were a couple of F-16s that scrambled up. They were prepared, laid down their lives. An F-16 might not have been able to take a commercial jet airliner, but they were prepared to do what it takes. Missile, crash into them, whatever, they were ready to die. They went up knowing that if there was another plane going anywhere, they were going to give up their lives. A tour guide at the Pentagon gave medical aid to injured outside. And then he went back. Again, I might have given medical aid, but once I'm out, I'm not sure that would have gone back. You know, we all like to think that in fire, we act heroically, but we don't know until, as Mr. Hyde says, the rubber meets the road. And it's amazing how the Lord really gives us so many chances to test our faith. I've had a few. I'm going to share an embarrassing moment with you in a minute, but I've had many times when the Lord says, okay, Dave, here, you say you believe in me, you say you love me, you say that to live is Christ and to die is gain. But then why are you afraid to die? In 9-11, they set aside their fears. They didn't even think about death. They did courageous things. Now me, I, I relate a little bit to Peter because like Peter, I'm quick to the draw, quick to the sword, quick to volunteer, <clears throat> but I'm also quick to fail. I failed many times in my life. The Lord's put me through a lot. Hopefully I've learned a couple lessons. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Peter walking on water. I want to just turn to that for a second. Matthew 24 reads, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. 
when the disciples saw him walking in the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. You know, I want to pause for a second there. Isn't it amazing that sometimes even things of the Lord we're scared of? Even when it comes from the Lord. Here he is, approaching Peter and the disciples on water. They didn't even recognize him. But our first instinct is fear. Lord, if it is you, replied Peter, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, look, let me just say right there one thing. I hope that I'm the one that walks out of the boat, that gets out of the boat when God calls us, right? If God says, come, you could have stayed in the boat. You could have said, hey, I can't walk on water. I'm no Jesus. But he obeyed. It's going to show you that with God, everything's possible. Miracles are possible. Anything's possible. Ah, but here's where I can relate. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink. How many times will we sink? Notice this, he began to sink. It didn't say he sank. He began to sink. And then what happened? We know what happened. Cried out. He cried out. One of the shortest prayers in the Bible. I love this prayer. It just says, Lord, save me. Other versions, similar, but the main thing is he cried out to the Lord. He knew he was sinking if he didn't cry out to the Lord. If you were to do it on his own, try to swim without the Lord, big storm, probably wouldn't have made it. Immediately, Jesus reached out. He didn't wait. He didn't say, ah, yeah, I don't know. You should have, should have believed me. He didn't wait. He immediately reached out and caught him. Look, even when our faith is weak, the power of crying out to Jesus, I can't tell you, until you do it, it is amazing, it is therapeutic, it works. And here it worked. But God wasn't finished with him. He caught him, but he said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. The Lord has so many tools for us. Faith, love, all the fruits of the Spirit. You know, the devil has a few tools, too. The devil's favorite tools are doubt and fear. It's in our lives every day. It's a missus right now. Probably more than ever post-pandemic. I'm going to share three verses with you. One I already shared. Philippians 1.21 
For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does that mean? Does it mean I want to die? No, of course not. We have a lot of work to do here. We were made for times as these. The Lord has prepared us for this particular time in your life. You think the Lord's surprised with what's happening? You think this is the first plague? The first war? The first talk of war? Here's another one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and future. Do we forget that? Do we believe that when we're afraid? A couple weeks ago, Dean shared the story of Hacksaw Ridge. If you haven't seen the movie, you got to see it. Hacksaw Ridge. It's amazing how in war, there's so many different examples of courage. The man from Hacksaw Ridge was quoted as saying that he only knew two things. He knew his purpose that God had, and there were two. To serve his country and to save lives. That was it. I think he accomplished his purpose. Do you know your purpose? But 2018, I can't believe it's been four years already. I thought I was walking on water. Life was good, making good money, good job. Probably the best I've been. Then it happens. What's one of our worst fears as men? Get fired. Unless it comes from Donald Trump, I never want to hear you're fired. <laughs> I got fired. Christmas Eve, not Christmas Eve, Christmas, about a week before Christmas. I was literally at the mall, my wife remembers, doing Christmas shopping. Called my wife, saying, put away the presents. Not much Christmas this year. My first reaction wasn't to call for the Lord. I'm ashamed to tell you, my first reaction was to cry. I was ashamed that I lost my job. I got my family together, and I, I cried and said, look, I don't know what's going to happen. Instead of saying, I know what God's got in store for me. I don't know it yet, but it's something really exciting. But instead, I took pity upon myself. And then after a while, when you start feeling sorry about yourself, and you want to listen to God, God put me to work, a lot of trial. Took uh, over a year's worth of entire savings. It's not pretty when you go through your savings in a year. No job, no money, but I had the God. I had God. And he put in my heart and my wife's heart that we're going to do whatever we can. If I have to finish my entire savings, so be it. And after about a year or so, my wife helped me stay up till four in the morning. The Lord started taking care of me. He started showing me, okay, hey, you know what? There's, there's something here. You know what? He was taking care of me the day I got fired because I wasn't listening. He had a better plan for me, but I wasn't listening. When he fired me, I wasn't listening. I was crying. But he had a better plan for me. Here's what's crazy. If somebody would have told me at that time where I'd be today, that in two short years, I'd be buying a house, I'd have the freedom of being self-employed, that my wife and I'd be closer because of it. You know what I would have done when I got fired? I'll tell you what I would have done. I 
I would have laughed at fear. I would have been laughing instead of crying. I would have been looking forward to it. But you know what? The Lord doesn't do that. He doesn't tell us what the tapestry is going to be. That'd be far too easy. He's not going to say, Dave, I've got this plan for you, but you must go through this trial. He's not going to do that. Franklin D. Roosevelt was quoted to say that calm seas don't make a great sailor. Can you imagine if we're going out on a vacation, a cruise, there's a storm, and you're told that your captain has never sailed storms, it's always been calm seas? Are you kidding me? You know who I want? I want a salty captain who's lost a couple of boats, he's been, you know, almost died, and he's still around. That's who I want sailing my ship. But when I got fired, like Peter, I began to sink. You know, even as Christians, it takes a little while. It takes a little while, sometimes a long while, to kind of learn our lessons. Remember a while back, Sylvia said that when God gives you a trial, if you learn your lesson, it's pretty cool. If you don't, what happens? You get the same trial again. God is so good. God is so good. Recently, there's a few pictures of NASA. Have you all seen uh, some of these pictures that NASA had of the galaxies and stars? It's pretty amazing. Sean might put it up here in a second or add, but there's, you've seen them before. The, the galaxy pictures, nebula. You know, today NASA is seeing stuff that was never imagined. You know, when the Bible speaks of the stars, you know, in the old days, they'd look up and they'd be like, wow, stars. If they could have just seen a glimpse of this, are you kidding me? Could you imagine if they saw these things instead of just stars? I mean, again, how do you not see God in that? Sure, it's science. It's one of God's many tools, by the way. As Louis Glidio says, I'm sure when he created the earth, there was a pretty big bang. <laughs> Hundreds of light years away. And I try to explain this to my wife. She told me, don't bring it up, because sometimes I get a little off tangent. But you'll realize that what you're seeing is not what's there today, right? You know, when you see, it, when you see the moon, you're seeing the moon from maybe what it looked like maybe a few minutes ago. Uh, you see, you know, planets maybe a few hours ago. This is hundreds of light years away. And you can go the speed of light, hundreds of years more, and you're never going to reach the end. Is that crazy? But here's the beautiful part. Our Lord's love is just as infinite you can fail over and over, and guess what? The Lord's going to pick you back up. All you have to do is cry out for help and not do it yourself. Again, how do you see the Lord's creations and say, I came from an amoeba? I I'm sorry, if anybody here doesn't believe in God, I want to talk to you afterwards. I love conversations with atheists, by the way. I love them. You cannot deny God, you cannot deny His power.
Hebrews 1.3 says that he's upholding all things by the word of his power. He's upholding the galaxies, the stars, the planets. Yes, even us. The smallest of issues you might have are as important to our God as the stars of the galaxy. You're just as important. As a matter of fact, have you ever seen a Louis Giglio video of when he goes outward to the stars? There's another one, he goes inward to the body. And you know, humans have been trying to figure out how to make life from the beginning of time. They're never going to be able to figure it out. Sure, you can clone a sheep, but life is different. So, you know, again, we all have fears. We have trials. I don't want to dwell on your fears, but I want to just list a few to give you an example. I shared with you my, one of my biggest fears as a, as a man is to lose your job. Check that box. Getting sick. We've lost loved ones here. Check that box. The devil. Guess what? Since I was little, I used to be scared of the devil. We used to call my mom El Cucuy. El Cucuy was Spanish for the devil. And everybody has different names for it. Should we fear the devil? No. Unless you don't know God. The only fear we should have is a reverence fear of God. How about fear of witnessing? Who here is afraid of witness? It's hard. It's not easy. You know, I wouldn't be here today if one of our members didn't witness to my wife. And you know what? One of the most courageous things you can do is speak up. Raise your hand and say, I don't agree with that. What do you mean I have to wear the rainbow flag at my embassy? No. What do you mean? I, you, know, you know, there's churches out there flying the rainbow flag. Did you know that? There's churches out there flying the BLM sign. Are you kidding me? How can you be complicit with sin? It takes courage to stand out and be persecuted and be called out. I won't, I won't name anybody, but let's say she's a teacher that goes to this school, I mean, to this uh, church. She used to go to Pine Valley. First name starts with S, last name starts with a D. <laughs> you know how much courage it should have taken for her to risk her life, her job. You know, when we're at work, they say, you know, work is work. Keep your church out. You know, separation of God and state. I don't know about that. I don't know how you can separate God from anything, even the state, especially school. You know, the best, you know, amazing things come out of tragedy, right? I mean, who would have thought that after COVID that our, the parents would have woken up to what's really going on? to the indoctrination of our kids. You know that because of COVID, different ministries that couldn't go out uh, started a new ministry in India where they have like many pastors in different places. They pay a little bit of money, mind you, but nevertheless, it spread the word. 5,000 people have been saved in India post-COVID. 5,000. Maybe God wasn't surprised by COVID. Well, but the next plague. Do you think there's going to be another one? Absolutely. There's going to be another war someday. There's always something coming up. You know, we have our usual fears. You know, fear of death, fear of taxes. Guess what? They're both coming up. 
eventually. We're all going to die here. I hate to tell you this. We're all going to die here. Did you know that? And what's crazy is the older we get, the faster it seems, doesn't it? I mean, when I was little, Christmas was an eternity away. Now I'm like, what? Again? You know, I think God does that to just humble us a little bit to remind us that there is mortality. You know, when I'm young, you think I'm immortal. You know, those old guys, 30s, 40s, 50s. Now I'm like, what? I'm on those old guys? But what's crazy is if you think about it, see, again, God has many tools, including science, math, everything. Think about this mathematically. When you're one year old or two, let's say one, Christmas is an entire lifetime away. It's an entire amount that you've been alive. If you're five years old, one year is 20% of your life. Still a lot. If you're 10 years old, a year is only 10%. That's nothing. If you're approaching 100 years old, Christmas are like every day. They're 1% of your life. That's why they come up so fast. Do you know Einstein, who discovered the theory of relativity, E equals mc squared, we see it earlier. Do you know that time actually changes around the black holes? So when you say time is time, no, time is relative. God controls time. God can do whatever he wants with time. You know, God can make us think that some carbon dinosaur thing is two million years old. Maybe it's only a thousand years old. We don't know. God controls everything by the power of his word. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You know, Randy had a message that I keep thinking about all the time. Going back to your first love. Do you remember when you first came to Christ? I do. It, it was weird because I was running away from God. I was actually going to another country for, other, for my own purposes, running away from the church here that was trying to recruit me. And my beautiful wife, back then she wasn't my wife, but she was on her own path much closer to me to God. But I was like, I'm out of here. I went to Nicaragua. God's a hound. <laughs> they don't leave you alone. In Nicaragua, I go to this Christian. I didn't know it was Christian, but I went to this little school. And, and it was amazing. It was like, These are kids that live in a dumpster. Could you imagine going to the dumpster and there's a neighborhood there made of cardboard and bricks and whatever makeshift they can? These little kids are the happiest kids I've seen. They were like sharing one ball and one toy. Unlike our spoiled monster kids sometimes are entitled and they're fighting over things, right? I go there and they treat me like a movie star. I walk in and what's this all this for? They had pictures and paintings and posters. Welcome. They sang me Christian songs. Brought me to my tears. I'm like, what are you doing, Lord? I ran away from you and you find me in Nicaragua. Are you kidding me? I come back and Sylvia meets me. She goes, so Dave, are you ready? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. I was ready. But here's what's crazy. If you remember your first couple of weeks, you're on fire for the Lord. There's nothing you're afraid of. Nothing. My friend Darren, who I pray for a lot, he's recently, I think, I think he found the Lord. He just doesn't know it yet. 
his wife's a Christian, and, and, and uh, he's been going to a few events, I think, are opening his eyes up. But he told me, he says, yeah, Dave, he goes, I remember when you first got saved, you're a freak. <laughs> I didn't think so, but uh, what do you mean by that? Oh, you couldn't stop talking about it. Okay. You know, it kind of reminded me that maybe I've cooled off a little bit, right? I mean, if we're not being persecuted, if we're not being judged, if we're not being criticized, if we're not being mocked, if we're not being, then we're not doing it right. Because we want to be like Christ. Guess what? Christ was mocked. Christ was persecuted. Christ was laughed at. If you go your entire life without any of that, you're not doing it right. But you know what? When I first came to Christ, I had no fears. All I wanted to do is read my book and know that there was an eternity with no tears, no fears, no nothing. Then, you know, life sets in and you go through the motions. We all go through the motions. We're going, you know, sometimes church is going through the motions, right? But God wants more than that. He wants you to get out of the boat. He wants you to get out of your boat. You know, there's something to be said about the first person who gets out of the boat, right? You don't hear much about the Bible. I want to ask when I get there, well, what happened to the other guys that didn't get out of the boat? Don't you want to be the first one to get out of the boat? And if God says, you know what, I want you to get out of the boat, but you're going to fail, you're going to start to sink, you're going to lose everything, don't you still want to get out of the boat? I do. Let's get out of the boat. Really, my glasses again. Getting old. It's no good. Just going back to fears. You know, I want. You know, it's like, why are you discussing fears, Dave? Well, fears are part of reality. You know, we're not supposed to fear, but we do until we're reminded of His power. But fears. I mean. I, I'm a little OCD if you don't know this, okay? I'm a little bit of a helicopter parent. Okay, I worry a little bit about my kids, maybe too much. Father-in-law knows. But you know what? I got to tell myself all the time, hey, if the Lord has a plan for my child, why am I worried about it? You know, the Bible says that he knows exactly how many days we're going to live. He knows the day we are born and the day you die. We believe that, right? But then why do we worry about it all the time? Because if I know the day I'm going to die, do you think God's going to say, you know, Dave, you messed up. I'm going to change that date. Do you think anything a government can do, any plague, any virus, any war, anything, I don't care who's in charge. They don't get to control that. You know, whether I do one thing or another, I'll look at the Lord's book someday and be like, yep, you know I was going to die that day. Well, why doesn't he just tell us then? <laughs> That'd be easy, right? But would it? Would we learn any lessons? I mean, when I got fired in 2018, if the God put a little picture to me of where I'd be in two years, yeah, I'd be laughing in fear, but it wouldn't be testing my faith. Now, there'll be more trials because that's the way the Lord works. 
I've had a trial recently that I can't share with, but trust me, it's a big trial. And you know what? I cried again, but this time I cried out his name. Instead of feeling pity for myself, instead of crying, instead of trying to take control of things myself, you know, like it is amazing how therapeutic crying out his name helps. It's amazing. I don't need a therapist, psychologist, books. I need God. We all need Jesus. The list goes on. Plague, China, now China, Iran, and Russia together. You know, kids go to college, are they coming back? Uh, you, you know, parenting, there's new parents coming up here. How hard is that going to be? Uh, you know, there's other self-employed people here. Uh, are we going to make payroll? Are there customers coming? There's so many fears. Now, post-pandemic, I got even worse. Post-pandemic, here's some of the post-pandemic fears that young people are having. Corrupt government officials. Yeah, so it's always been that way. But who's really got the government on their back? Who's really in charge? People love dying. Loved ones contracting the virus. People becoming seriously ill. Widespread civil unrest. Yeah, really? That's already happening. You know, if you compare, you know, it's weird. When I first moved, we had no TV for a year. And, and plague first hit. And we get all our messages and emails from different people. We had no internet, no Wi-Fi, no TV, nothing. It's amazing how therapeutic it is when you just turn everything off. But you know what? People are afraid of all these things. I'm afraid of some of these things if I don't rely on the Lord. Economic financial collapse, pandemic, cyber terrorism. Well, that's every day. There's cyber terrorism. We're hit with it someday. Pollution of the oceans, biological warfare. Okay, well, that's already going on. But check this out. None of these things are more powerful than my God. None of these things are going to shorten my lifespan. I think I see the hook coming. I'm running out of time, but let me just share a couple more things with you. Again, you didn't receive the spirit of God to be slaves of fear. I've read off a few fears. What I want to do now is I want you just to hear these different names of God in the Bible. There's so many. There's too many. I can't read them all. I'm just going to read a few that mean something to me. This man may not mean something to do to you. Think about your trial. Think about your fear. Think about whatever you're going through and put it up against this. God, he is God the creator. Lord, master provider. Not me. He's the master provider. Covenant maker. The judge. You know, sometimes we get hurt and we feel like taking things in our own matter. You don't have to. He's the judge. God of dreams, not of nightmares, God of dreams. He is the I am. He's your mouthpiece, your deliverer, your redeemer. He's the God of miracles. He's my strength and my song. He's a warrior. He's all-knowing. He's your king. He's your wonderful counselor. He's a crown of glory. He's our lawgiver. Rock of ages, crown of glory. He's the ruler of all nations. 
Not these clowns we vote for. He is the potter. We are the clay. He's our refuge. He's in your midst right now. He's the helper of orphans. King of glory. He's my light. He's wrapped in light. He's triumphant. He's not a, he's not a loser. He's triumphant. He wins at everything. Every battle. Every war. Everything he wins at. He is triumphant. He's the truth. He's your keeper. He's laughing at fear. We said earlier, Job 39, 22. He is the God of heaven. He is the bridegroom. He is the son of man. He's the good news. He's the bread and the wine. He's the friend of sinners. I was a sinner longer than I've been a Christian. He was my friend before I came to him. He is the word. He's the lamb of God. He's the living water. He's the source of freedom. He's the good shepherd. He is the true vine. He's the advocate and the helper. He's our mediator. He's upholding all things by the power of his word, even the galaxies. He's pure. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the almighty. He's making everything new. He can make you new today. Today could be your day. He's making you new right now. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the morning star. got a lifetime here and an eternity there. If you're here and you believe that God is with you, that to live is Christ and to die is gain, you know he's got plans for you, then this is where Psalm 23, 4 really hits. Yeah. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we've been in the valley in the shadow of death, you know what? That, that's got to be pretty close to you to have a shadow next to you. That means death is imminent. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. Let me just close with this. If you don't know God, this, you still have an eternity but it won't be with God. You still have this, but it won't be with God. So all your fears and trials would be without God. But if you know Christ, then you rest all of them on him. He gave his only begotten son for you, as Dean said earlier, and for me. So that you may have everlasting life. Let's close. Heavenly Father, thank you for this reminder today, Lord, of all the amazing things you've done and all the amazing things you're going to do. Lord, thank you for reminding us that though, yes, fear will creep in every now and then because the devil wants us to have fear and doubt, Lord, that you, Lord, can make it go, go away, Lord, that you've got everything in control including our lives. Lord, however, if there's anybody here who does not yet know you, Lord, perhaps today's the day. They, too, want to have everlasting life with you. And that they, too, need your help, Lord, during these, the red zone, Lord. We thank you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.